baptism. And um, when we think of the, the subject of water baptism, the, the title that I uh, put together with this is my public testimony that I follow Christ. And the baptism by immersion, is which we believe in, is that it is my testimony that I am a follower of Jesus Christ. And the scriptures that we have, and some, there are many different scriptures, but the first one I want to read is in Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 to 17. And this is speaking of the baptism of Jesus, that whenever he began his ministry, it says, Jesus then appeared, arriving at the Jordan River from Galilee. He wanted John, John the Baptist, John to baptize him, and John objected. I'm the one who needs to be baptized, not you. But Jesus insisted, do it. God's work, putting things right all these centuries, is coming together right now in this baptism. So John did it. And what that is referring to is that there's a dividing line between Jesus, his early childhood, his youth, his, you know, being the son of Mary, and uh, we don't know where his father is, Joseph, so we're assuming that Jesus is the carpenter, and he's learned a trade, and he's been taking care of, of his mother and, and his siblings, and now there is a dividing line between that experience and that part of his life and the beginning of his public ministry. And this declaration of baptism here is his beginning of his public ministry. And verse 16 says, the moment... Jesus came up out of the baptismal waters. The skies opened up, and he saw God's Spirit. It looked like a dove descending and landing on him. And along with the Spirit, a voice, This is my Son, chosen and marked by my love, delight of my life. Uh, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased, is the King James Version. So when Jesus came out of the water of, of baptism, there was the sign, the Trinity, that uh, the dove representing the Holy Spirit came and ascended upon Jesus and the voice from heaven that God the Father spoke over Christ. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So that was the, the declaration of, of, of the baptism <clears throat> of Jesus. Now, baptism by immersion didn't begin here. If you study it in the, in the Old Testament with the... With the uh, Hebrew, the Jewish people, when someone left their um, neighboring lands or became part of the Jewish culture, became, became a, a Hebrew, and, uh, excuse me, a Jewish, would, would go and um, follow Judaism and the sacrifices and the sacrificial system, that person was immersed in water. They were baptized. They were changing their old life into a new life. But then another one we're going to read is in Matthew 28, uh, verses 18 to 20. Jesus uttered, went right ahead and gave them this charge. And this is called the Great Commission. God authorized and commanded me to commission you. Go out and train everyone you meet, far and near, in this way of life, marking them by baptism in the threefold name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then instruct them in the practice of all I have commanded you, I'll be with you as you do this, day after day after day, right up to the end of the age. So the great commandment is to go out into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of Jesus. So this was the great commission then that Jesus placed upon his followers and his disciples was to go out 
and preach the gospel, preach the good news of Jesus Christ, and that they were to baptize, to be baptized in the name of Jesus. Now, kind of a, um, I guess this is uh, for myself an excuse. We do not have a baptistry. So therefore, having water baptism at a, you know, intervals every month, or some churches do it every Sunday evening. They have enough people coming into their church and committing their life to Christ. They do it every Sunday evening. Some do it every month. Some do it twice a year. Some, like us, do it once a year. Uh, but we try to, you know, and it kind of takes away from the emphasis of what baptism by water is, is because we only do it once a year, and that we do it in a swimming pool. So if we miss the opportunity in the window, uh, it, it kind of passes to another year. But water baptism is, symbolizes death, burial, and resurrection. We, we think of it in the context of, Bobby, would you come here, please? <laughs> so we got we've got a demonstration. Um, Bobby's going to assist me today in in the Baptist in, in the baptistry, which is Jan and Walt's pool. And what, now what we're going to do is this. Now see, baptism is death, burial, and resurrection. Death to our old way of life. So whenever you die, you're buried, submit submersion in the water, and then raised up, resurrection. So what we do is, and so some of you who haven't been baptized and you're thinking about this and you're frightened that what, what's the pastor going to do to me? Is he going to, how many, how's he going to dunk me and all that stuff? So what I'm going to do is take your right hand, put it over your nose, take your left hand, put it on your arm up here. Now, there. And that's whenever Bobby will be on the other side. And then we lay you down in the water. Don't, don't go backwards. I can't, kill, I won't fall. <laughs> You'll fall because <laughs> I can't pick you up. So, in, and we immerse into the water in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit and raise you up. Thank you. So if you're frightened by what you're going to have to do, well, you are going to get wet, okay? Uh, but we're, then, you know, there'll be two of us. There'll be myself and Bobby uh, assisting. And we're going to lay you down in the water. And the idea is, the analogy is, Water baptism is the death, death to the old way of life, burial in the water, and resurrection to the new life. So water baptism signifies our new life in Christ. It is a, it is a uh, commitment, it is a visible demonstration of what Jesus Christ has done to us. Death to self, death to sin, death to the old nature, buried, resurrection to new life in Christ, Resurrection for the Spirit, as it were, for the Spirit of God. You know, that God has ascended and God has become part of our life. Now, there are some, what we, what I'm going to call it, there are other baptisms that we know of in, in the church. And some have infant baptisms. Now, it's not a bad thing. Infant baptism is not a bad thing. It's not some sin or something, whatever. Uh, Infant baptism is more what we would call it in, in our denomination and also what happened with Jesus, that when Jesus was taken to the temple, he was dedicated. It was there as a presentation of Jesus in his infancy. He was taken to the temple and he was uh, presented. So what we have is infant dedication. And the infant dedication is that as parents, we dedicate ourselves to raising our child for God. 
that this child is a gift from God to us as a family, and so therefore we are recognizing our responsibility as parents to bring this child to God. That's very much part of the Old Testament rituals and very much a part of Jesus and what Jesus went through in his birth and presentation at the temple. So there are some who look at that and they would say, well, that's the time of of baptism. Well, baptism is considered for um, when we are mature enough to make a decision. So we have baptized, I remember uh, one church we were at, uh, there was a young, what was a young child, six, seven, eight, I don't know how old was, he was six years old, the one in Katani, the little, oh, yeah. Yes. Well, he was a very spiritual young child. I mean, and some people say, well, you can't baptize him. That's infant dedication. You know, you know they had all these rules. No, this child knew. He had a very, was very mature, very mature spiritually. And so and we, we, I think he was the youngest child I've ever baptized. But usually it is when in, in the Jewish culture, when a person was 12 turning on, going on 13, that was their a place of dedication. And it was at a time in which we were able to make a choice, okay? Choosing to serve Christ, and this is my declaration, um, that I am following Jesus in the waters of baptism. Now, water baptism is not a... Um, washing away of our sins, okay? The decision is made by us as an individual for Jesus Christ to be our Savior. And when Jesus Christ is our Savior, that's a place of decision. Then once we have made that decision, we then have a public demonstration of that decision, which is water baptism. That's what its significance is. So Jesus has forgiven us of our sins, and then baptism then becomes this public declaration that I do not have a secret life now. I am a Christian. Don't tell anybody. Well, it was a very, in the time of Jesus uh, and the early disciples, it was a very public demonstration that was a declaration that we are a follower of Jesus Christ because we have given our life to him. We recognize he, that he has risen from the dead and that we are following him. And this is a public declaration to all that we are a follower of Jesus Christ that the misconception that uh, somehow baptism washes away sins or that it is baptism that saves us. Um, Bible states that by grace are we saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. So no act of sprinkling or immersion, and you can be immersed three times and forwards. Everybody, I mean, if you search, there's... There's people who baptize three times forward. There's people who baptize three times backwards. There's some people who baptize this one guy. Uh, you know, they put him under and, you know, they held him there and, and, and they wouldn't let him up. And, uh, and, they, and the preacher, well, I just wanted to make sure he was saved. <laughs> just kidding. <Yeah>. So, uh, but, you know, so is, is there a right way? Is there a wrong way? The idea is that we are, in, you know, and if um, a person were on their deathbed and they wanted, and I've done this, and they wanted to be baptized, 
You know, it was very much an emphasis that they wanted to have before they died. Well, I can't take them to the bathtub or to the river or to a swimming pool. I, I sprinkled them and put water on their head. I mean, you know, it's just it's what's in the heart. Um, if, you're, if you are not baptized, will you go to heaven? The Bible says, by grace you save through faith. Okay? Not of works. So baptism is not, the, the thief on the cross was not baptized. Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. So do people, you know, is it, one of the, is it a requirement to get into heaven? No, it's not a requirement, but it is following as an act of obedience in our faith that we are following Jesus Christ into the waters of baptism. So this makes water baptism more than a religious form. Well, our church, no, it isn't saying that there's some denominations and some churches that well, if you're not baptized, you can't be a member. If you want to join the church, you have to be baptized, and the baptism makes you a member. Well, you can go down, a, you can be a sinner and go down a dry sinner, come up a wet sinner, because if you've never confessed your sins, it doesn't change anything. So the baptism then is death to an old way of life, resurrection to a new life in Christ. So as we begin to see this, we began to then act upon it and recognize that this is part of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus himself instituted water baptism. He directed the church to baptize those who follow him as an act of discipleship. It was an act of discipleship on people who were uh, followers of Christ in Matthew 28 Verse 19, the scripture that we read, 18, 19, and 20, Jesus, giving the Great Commission, says, God authorizes and commanded me to commission you. Go out and train everyone you meet. Train them. Tell them about the message. Train them in the steps of righteousness and salvation. In this way of life, in the Christian life. Marking them by baptism. So, Jesus himself was the one who instituted this whole idea of baptism and that it was a mark for his disciples, as it were, to um, place them and to all believers to be baptized. Um, the New Testament attests to the water baptism. The book of Acts speaks of it on the day of Pentecost. In Acts chapter 2, there were three, you know, um, 3,000 were added to the church. There were 3,000 baptisms that day. <laughs> they, went, they went and baptized them. Uh, in Acts chapter 8, verses 12 and 13. And this is where Philip is in Samaria. Remember when Jesus went to Samaria? I must needs go through Samaria and a woman at the well. Well, Philip this, and this lady stayed there, and those, there were individuals who came out to, to see Jesus, and you know, the woman was there. Well, Philip went to Samaria. Now, when Philip came to the town announcing the good news, the news of God's kingdom, and proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ, they forgot Simeon. Now, Simeon was this, this individual who had done a lot of great works and things like that. Well, when, when Philip came to town, they forgot about Simeon. And these individuals were baptized. They believed in Christ, and they were baptized. Becoming believers right and left, even Simeon himself believed and was baptized. And from that moment, he was like Philip's shadow, so fascinated with all the God signs and miracles that he wouldn't leave Philip's side. So 
in Acts chapter 8, we have another example when Philip, uh, Philip comes alongside this, he comes alongside this chariot. And this chariot, the, it's the eunuch, this um, individual who is the treasurer for, um, I forget who, who he was the treasurer for, but he was, ride, he was reading the scriptures. And Philip is walking alongside. God directed Philip to walk alongside. And as the person is reading, he says, how can I, and he asks him the question, do you understand what he's reading? And he says, how can I, how can I without some help? And he invited Philip into the chariot with him. The passage he was reading was this, as the sheep led to the slaughter, and quiet as a lamb being sheared, he was silent, saying nothing. He was mocked and put down, never got a fair trial, but who now can count his kin since he's been taken from the earth? And the eunuch said, tell me, who is this prophet talking about, himself or some other? Philip grabbed his chance. Using the passage as his text, he preached Jesus to him, told him about Jesus Christ. And as they continued down the road, they came to a stream of water, and the eunuch said, here's water. Why can't I be baptized? So he believed in Jesus, and immediately, as they, even as they are traveling, he said, here's some water, and he ordered the chariot to stop. They both went down to the water, and Philip baptized him on the spot. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of God suddenly took Philip off, and that was the last eunuch saw of him, but he didn't mind. He had what he had come for and went on the road as happy as he could be. So here is an experience where God, through, the, through Philip, came along and explained to this eunuch, this, this man, about the gospel of Jesus Christ, what Jesus Christ had done, and he became a believer, and immediately he was baptized in water. Then we have Saul of Tarsus in Acts chapter 9. We know where Saul has been traveling, and he was going to Tarsus to arrest Christians. He was going there to put an end. His goal is always to put an end to Christianity. But on the road to Damascus... He was, as it were, struck down. Um, he saw a great light. He became blind. And he heard the voice of Jesus speak to him. You know, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And then we, and, and then we have verse, beginning at verse 11. Get up and go over to Straight Avenue. Ask at the house of Judas for the man from Tarsus. And this is where... Um, Ananias is receiving a vision from God to go and help Saul of Tarsus, Paul that we later know him as. He's there praying. He has just had a dream in which he saw a man named Ananias enter the house and lay hands on him so he could see again. Ananias protested. You know, we're not, I'm not going there to help this guy, Saul of Tarsus. He is a, you know, he's been persecuting the, the church. He, he, you know, he's been killing Christians. And he's, you know, he even helped, held the garments of people while they stoned Stephen. I'm not going there to help him. God told Ananias, you go and you tell him. And he's waiting because he's, I've already told him you're coming. All right. So uh, he's, he, you know, Ananias is protesting. His reign of terror against your people in Jerusalem. And now he's shown up here with papers from the chief priest that give him license to do the same to us. But the master said, Jesus said, don't argue. 
<laughs> Don't argue with God. Go, I have picked him as my personal representative to non-Jews and kings and Jews. And now I'm about to show him what he is in for, the hard suffering that goes with this job. So Ananias went and found the house, placed his hands on blind Saul, and said, Brother Saul, the master sent me. The same Jesus you saw on your way here, he sent me so you could see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. No sooner were the words out of his mouth than something like scales fell from Saul's eyes. He could see again. He got to his feet. <laughs> and what? And was baptized. And sat down with him for a hearty meal. He was baptized. So it was an immediate thing. And then I'll go on. This, this happens over and over throughout the scriptures. And then I'll read one more. In Acts chapter 10 at the house of Cornelius. Now, these are, the house of Cornelius is, 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 is a very special one here because the, uh, Peter is in his house and has a vision from God about a sheet of unclean animals coming down and God asked Peter, eat, so I can't do that because those are unclean. And finally God says to Peter, what I've cleaned, what I consider clean, you consider unclean? So Peter's kind of lost in this dilemma. And at that very moment, somebody knocks at his door, and, he's, and this guy uh, from the house of Cornelius is knocking at the door because Cornelius has had a vision. Go to a certain house and inquire of Peter to come and talk to you. Okay. So all of this is going on, and um, Peter now goes to the house of Cornelius. And this is where we begin at verse 44. No sooner were these words out of Peter's mouth than the Holy Spirit came on the listeners to Cornelius and his household. The believing Jews who had come with Peter couldn't believe it. They couldn't believe that the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out on the outsiders, the non-Jews. But there it was. They heard them speaking in tongues and heard them praising God. So that was the sign that they had actually committed and given their life to Christ. They had the same baptism that they had on the day of Pentecost. And, and all of that was in place. And the people, from the Jews with Peter were saying, wow, they, they've got the same thing we have. They began to understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ was more than just for them and the, and the, the, the Jewish individuals. But then Peter said, do I hear any objections to baptizing these friends with water? This is where the Gentiles now had received the baptism, as it were, of the Holy Spirit that, according, that was given to the Jews in Acts chapter 2, and then those 3,000 were baptized now at the house of Cornelius, that his household was saved, his household was saved, and they gave their life to Jesus Christ, and Christ became a part of their life. And Peter says, how can we object to these individuals being part of the church. And there were no objections with Peter or with all of the Jews that had come with Peter because for the Jewish individual to enter a Gentile house, that was a sin. That was a black mark against them. They, they, were, they, were, they would have to go through a, a whole ritualistic cleansing because these people were unclean. Here, Peter goes into the house and finds out God gave to the Cornelius and his whole household exactly what was given to Peter on the day of Pentecost. 
and all the Jews, you know, the 120 on the day of Pentecost. So what does Peter do? Wow, they have the same thing as we do, and there's no objections. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus. So there, there are all these, and there's other situations too um, that happened in the, the house of Cornelius. And then we have uh, in Acts chapter 16, Lydia, the seller of purple. You know, she, you know she's spoken of uh, many times in the scriptures. And then the Philippian jailer in Acts chapter 16. We have all these situations in which people came to Christ and received Christ and then immediately followed into the waters of baptism. So, water baptism. It's an outward demonstration of an inward reality. That Christ has saved us from our sins. Water baptism is, a pictured, is pictured in the New Testament as the initial step of obedience and is part of the life of obedience that we follow in listening to the word of God that is given to us throughout our spiritual life. Water baptism is a mark of our unity with Christ. As Christ was baptized in water, so we are being baptized as unto Christ and his entire body of believers. It's like we are uniting with Christ and uniting with the church. So water baptism then is our personal spiritual funeral. <laughs> it's our spiritual funeral and our spiritual resurrection. So it, signif- it, is, it is a very significant event in our life, and, and it is a very important part of our life. Now, as I said, will we go to heaven if we're not baptized in water? Yes. Deep on the cross, got there and was not baptized. Um, so do you have to be baptized as a requirement? And Well, we're following Jesus as an act of obedience. It's not an act of coercion. It's not something, well, you know, the preacher says, I got to do this or else. Not that, or it's not that. You see, when we, are, when, when we are tempted, when we are tempted to fall, as it were, back to our old lifestyle, and Paul says that forgetting those things which are behind, I press on towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Forgetting the things which are behind, that it's remembering I'm dead to my former life, I buried that person and I'm risen to new life. So when we are tempted, it's a way of looking at our life and saying, this is a line of demarcation. Remember Jesus, his life prior to the baptism, his ministry began at baptism and on. So it is that, as it were, that line of we, we can look at our salvation, our declaration of forgiveness, that Jesus Christ has forgiven us of our sins. That's a line of demarcation. And baptism is a physical demonstration of that spiritual reality that is in our heart, that we've been changed. And so my declaration is, I stand before others and say, Christ has forgiven me of my sins. I have heard Jesus in his word say, and he commanded it to the disciples, train, teach, baptize. I feel the need, it is my desire, to follow Jesus Christ in the waters of baptism. This water baptismal service 
is something wonderful. Um, I remember when we were in Israel and um, we got, I got to baptize those who were with us in the Jordan River. And there were a couple hundred other people doing the very same thing. <laughs> but it was, it was very... And what they, they had, of course, they had it all say, um, sectioned off. And each little group had their own section. And you had your stand, as it were, of, of bleachers. They, were, they weren't bleachers, but they were in, in the bank, in the river bank. And you would sit, the, you would, everyone was, in our group was there. And they had little walkways down into the water, ramps down into the water. And there you would be able to be in the same Jordan, not the same water, the same Jordan River that Jesus was in and performed the baptismal service. And that was a high water experience. <laughs> it, was, it was a really great experience um, because it, I'm sure, you know, just because it was. And for the people who were baptized, that's where David, our, my, you know, I got to baptize David in the Jordan River. So it was quite an experience. So it's a statement that I am changed. It's a statement that I believe that I am a follower of Christ and I am doing as he has commanded. And that we, he will help me in my life and I am dead to the old ways of sin, my old nature, and I am resurrected to the new life. So if you've never been baptized, today's the day. If you were baptized as an infant, it's okay. We believe that the baptism in water is the following of an example, an example of what Christ has set for us and that he has forgiven us. If you were baptized as a ritual, that it really didn't need anything, but now you would like to do it again, that is fine. So my urge is that the door is open, that you are welcome whether you've been baptized, whether you've, and you would just want to recommittal, I don't believe that you have to be baptized every year, you know, next, uh, next year, and next year, and no. It's that if it's something that you feel in your heart you would like to do, whether you've been baptized as an infant, whether you've been baptized ritual, or whether it's just a point in your life where you want to say, I really feel that this is important to me, to follow Christ in the waters of baptism, I want you to, you know, I want you to know you're free to do that today. So that is kind of the nutshell of water baptism. And it is very important. Some have had, some experiences are extremely, uh, how can I say, life-changing, and others, it's just like, wow, that was nice. So whatever it may be to you, whatever you feel the need is, we know that our sins are forgiven because we ask Jesus Christ to save us from our sins. Okay? The next lot walk of obedience is that I do this as I want to follow Christ in the waters of baptism. Amen? So, did I twist your arm? No. But I want us to feel that we are open to it. So, um, what we're going to do is, and there's some, I know I have to run home and get there. What I like, what I do it is if you have a swimming suit or whatever, I put that on underneath, 
and then put a, for ladies to put a pants or a top on, maybe a couple of them, but if you have your, <laughs> if you have your, uh, if you have your bathing suit on, that's okay. You don't need a couple of tops. But just to have a top on over top of your bathing suit. And uh, I'm going to have swimming trunks and then a top, a shirt. So, uh, and then we will have the service first. We can get a few things set up uh, while we're waiting for everyone to, to show up. And then before we eat or before we do anything, we'll have the um, baptismal service. And then we'll have the picnic. And everybody's welcome to come to the picnic and then we'll have swimming to those who would like to do so. Okay? Sound, sound good? So if you'd like to be baptized in water, please see me so we don't miss you as you go home and come. All right? Shall we stand? Thank you, Lord, for saving us from our sins. Thank you, Lord, that you are a Savior Thank you, Lord, that you died on the cross and that, Lord, by your blood, the Lamb of God, whose, whose, life, whose blood and life were given for the forgiveness of our sins. We thank you, Lord, for saving us. Forgive us, O God, and live within our hearts, we pray. Lord, and for those who, in this moment, Lord, you touch our life and perhaps... Lord, you speak to our hearts that it is important for us to be baptized in water. We pray, Lord, that you speak to us and on your urging, Lord, your impression upon our hearts and minds that we would be baptized. Touch our lives in this moment. Let that prompting be of your spirit to touch us and speak to us now. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.